Hello, everyone. Welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, March 11th, 2022. I'm Micah Chopley. Before I get into the show, this is going to be a groundbreaking show. No, it's not. I just thought I'd say that. But uh, I really want to thank John Ziegler. I want John to know that he has been, so far, uh, it's been less than a day, my most listened to show. The most listened to show is a show starring John Ziegler. So I think it's good to have, you know, uh, uh, people on with uh, varying opinions and different expertise and different people in the media, and I think I'll do that much more often. I think people have said in uh, their own special way that they love listening to my beautiful voice, but they like to hear other voices too. And I like to hear other voices too because I don't much want to talk for a half hour or five nights a week all on my own. And there are a lot of people out there who um, who have uh, very strong voices that should be heard. Uh, some of which you see. I mean, John's been in the media. He's been with Glenn Beck. He's been on uh, t- television. Um, and some people have and some people haven't. You know, and there are voices out there on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, who have very strong voices, who have never been allowed to speak on, 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 on television, on CNN or MSNBC or Fox or whatever you may have it, uh, Newsmax, wherever, because, uh, you know, they only, uh, well, especially for CNN, MSNBC, you know, they only allow certain people on. And many of the people that we associate with, that I associate with on Twitter and Facebook, um, don't have the, uh, let's say, point of view that they would allow on CNN and MSNBC on the state-run media there. So I will definitely have more guests on as we go through this, and I'll have John Ziegler back on, and uh, a few weeks ago I had on, uh, I had an Ian Miller and we talked about his book, Unmasked. And every day, as we go through this process, every day, now two years and counting, going on year three, we see more and more how masks were totally useless, and Ian was right all the way beginning from March 2020. Useless masks. Useless. Uh, we're seeing countries like South Korea, Asian countries. We're seeing places like Australia and New Zealand where cases are exploding, uh, places where they've had lockdowns and masks and vaccine mandates and vaccine And you people who listen to this show religiously know the drill. You know the drill. This has all been useless. Now, finally, uh, after two years, when it's now, quote-unquote, safe to have the opinion that mandates did nothing, the New York Times is now writing that the mandates did Well, uh, under further review... Under further review, after two years and 75,000 pieces of evidence, we have found that mandates did nothing. Oh, thanks a lot. Now, of course, it's safe to say that when everyone's dropping the mandates. They didn't say it six months ago. They certainly didn't say it a year ago. But now they're saying what you and I said, what you and I were banned, we were suspended. People continue to be suspended and canceled on Twitter and Facebook for simply stating the obvious. First of all, To ban anyone for stating an opinion, and all of this could be under opinion, of course, is absolutely Orwellian to the max. But now we're talking about an opinion that has critical mass, that more and more doctors are starting to say, you know, we were wrong. We were wrong. Doctors have gone to people like, have done Zoom calls. I have a video of a doctor talking to Jay Bhattacharya and other doctors other doctors who were part of the Great Barrington Declaration, and he said to them, you guys were wrong, right, you were right, I was wrong, I thought you were crazy for almost two years, now I have to admit you guys were right. So more and more now, we're getting the opinion from medical experts, 
that lockdowns and masks and mandates did nothing, and Twitter is still suspending and canceling and terminating accounts for people who say that mandates were useless. This is how sick and crazy things have gotten. But let's get even sicker. Let's get even sicker, okay? Because a lot of what we saw during COVID and masks and all that nonsense we're now seeing with Russia and Ukraine. The same kind of cancel culture. The same kind of cancel culture. Where if you voice the opinion that is supposedly not the majority opinion, but it's not even that. It's not the opinion that the establishment wants to hear. It's not the opinion that CNN wants to hear. It's not the opinion that Twitter wants to hear. You get censored, you get banned, you get canceled. It's not the opinion the left wants to hear. You get canceled from society. Listen to this one. Now, I'm in San Francisco, as everyone out there knows. And there's a conductor. His name is Michael Tilson Thomas. He's 77 years old, and he was recently diagnosed, unfortunately, with brain cancer. Michael Tilson Thomas ran the San Francisco Symphony for years, up until recently. And he was going to do a guest appearance at the Montreal Symphony. Now, he was was going to conduct... A, a, uh, he was going to conduct a Russian pianist named Alexander Malafiev, M-A-L-O-F-E-E-V, I believe I'm pronouncing it right, Malafiev. And he was scheduled to open three shows, three shows, okay? He's a famous, he's a very popular Russian pianist. The Montreal Symphony canceled the performances, okay? Canceled the performances of the 20-year-old, young, brilliant Russian pianist, Alexander Malafiev, Simply because he's Russian. Now, wait a minute. He's Russian, and he also condemned. Not that he should have to. He condemned the the invasion. He lost another gig in Vancouver. This is how crazy Canada's gotten. You think the U.S. is nuts? You think, like, Great Britain is nuts? You think Russia's nuts? This is how crazy Canada is. Canada has gone off the rails with censorship, Canada, I don't consider Canada a democracy anymore. And this is, I'm a guy who lived there. I lived in Montreal for two years. I love Montreal. I love the people. I wanted to move there. I would never even go there and spend a fucking penny. I wouldn't spend a fucking penny in Canada. And anyone who goes to Canada to spend money is a moron, is a loser. It's very sad. No one should spend a dollar in Canada. Forget about what Trudeau did. For two years, what he did to the truckers, what he did to the bank accounts, what he did to the reputation, what he threw people in jail in the gulag for doing nothing, for expressing their freedom of speech. But here's this poor Russian kid, this 20-year-old brilliant pianist, culture, trying to spread culture and some kind of light, some kind of light and optimism and escape from this shit world we live in. And Vancouver threw him out the door, and then Montreal threw him out the door, and the guy condemned the invasion. But they said, oh, we were going to reconsider it because he condemned the invasion, but then ah, we decided to cancel him anyway. Now, this is getting sick. And this poor kid had to grovel. Not that they're going to give him his job, his gig. But the kid said, I'm against this invasion, and we Russians are going to have to pay for this kind of thing. No, the Russian citizens and pianists should not have to pay for this kind of thing. And now what we're seeing is the left canceling their own. The left are eating their own. And these people that are eating are just taking it like they're taking one for the team. It's sick. It's depressing. It's grotesque. It's why I will never be part of the left again. I could go into a time machine. I can go into a hyperbaric chamber, whatever they call it, where they freeze you. 
all right, and be frozen and come back in 50 years or 100 years when this is all ancient history, and I never will vote liberal again. I will never vote for a Democrat again, although I would hope that that far in the future, the Democratic Party would be gone. But then again, you know, I'm a very pessimistic person, so they probably would still be around. I will never vote for a Democrat again. I will never vote for a Democrat again. Ever. I am absolutely ashamed that I was ever a Democrat. I am ashamed I ever considered myself a liberal or a progressive. I am really ashamed that I ran as a Democrat for public office. But look, you have to give me a pass because this was long before this. But, I'm, you know, look, this was always what liberals were all about. I just didn't see it. There just wasn't the, the major event, I guess you can say. And, of course, I, think, I don't think I'm wrong when I say that liberals have gotten worse, right? With the cancel culture. It just wasn't around 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Uh, this was not – when I ran for office in 2006 – that's what, 16 years ago now? This wasn't an issue. No one was talking about cancel culture. No one was talking about the left canceling people, canceling their own the way they are now. No one was even talking about that. It really wasn't that much of an issue. It wasn't an issue at all. It wasn't an issue at all. They have gotten so much worse over the last decade, and especially, of course, over the last two years of COVID. The COVID era has totally, it, it, it was the combination of, it was really the last six years, it was the combination of Trump and COVID. I will To my dying day, I will say the combination of Trump and COVID ruined liberals, ruined Democrats, absolutely ruined them. It, 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 like it festered, it, it festered in their brains and it rotted it. It rotted their brains from the inside out. And I don't think they're ever going to get past it, but it doesn't matter. I still never vote for them again. This has been an incredibly dark period. An incredibly dark period. And it's getting darker because every single issue now, people figured, okay, when COVID's over, this will end. No, no. With every single issue now, they do the same thing. Facts, evidence, common sense, decency, doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is their narrative and the pat themselves on the back. They have to prove what wonderful people they are. Well, they believe to themselves. They're, how, they're the most wonderful people in the world. Like that funny thing in the Babylon Bee a few days ago, that liberals are losing their masks, and so now they're just wearing shirts to say, I'm a good person. And it's very true. It's satire, but it's totally true. And these people would wear shirts to say, I'm a good person. That's all they care about is patting themselves on the back. You know, it's like what we used to say about Hollywood. We used to limit it to Hollywood, but now Hollywood's like the entire country. It's like every liberal Democrat is now like a Hollywood celebrity, elitist, privileged liberal Democrat, where they think their shit doesn't stink. And there's always the cause, we'd say cause celeb, right? We say, we'd call it cause celeb, but now it's all a cause celeb. Master a cause celeb. The Ukrainian flag is now the new mask. The Ukrainian flag is literally the new mask. If masks were not going out of style now, and believe me, in places like San Francisco here, they're still about 50% in style. And I haven't seen one yet, but I guarantee I'll see, maybe over the weekend I'll see one. I'll report to you on Monday. Where are the, where are the Ukrainian flag masks? Where are the yellow and blue masks that everyone's going to wear? Well, the liberals are going to wear. To show, really, let's double and triple down on virtue signaling. Let's talk about, so this is disgusting, this thing with this poor Russian pianist. 
Disgusting. The liberal, the, the, the arts community in Montreal and Vancouver, the liberals should be disgusted, ashamed of themselves. It's disgusting. It's vile. It's putrid. But what also is putrid is this whole idea of don't say gay. Don't say gay. You see, they have to come up with a slogan. They have to come up with a cute slogan that has nothing to do with reality. Like masks save lives. That masks and vaccines are safe and effective. Slogans that are the opposite of reality. So this whole idea of, of don't say gay. I have to remember, the left are very good at coming up with slogans that are meaningless. Slogans that are absolutely meaningless in the real world. Don't say gay. If you, if you people aren't following, Ron DeSantis is not allowing, the, they're coming up with a bill that's in Florida that's not allowing them to teach things such as sex and sexuality and transgender and changing sexes to kindergartners and uh, six-year-olds, basically four to seven or eight-year-olds. I think it's pre-K to three, grade three. What is that? Four to eight? Four to seven? That's it. But of course, the media in Florida and the media around the country, the left media, making it look like this bill is doing this throughout the education system. So 17-year-olds aren't going to be able to be to have sex ed or, you know, or identity crisis ed, whatever the fuck they call it these days, which is not true, of course. How about teaching math and English? How about, the, where are we in the world? 98th, 126th? We're teaching things like math and English, the basics. How about teaching five-year-olds how to fucking read and write and add? How about that? So it's not don't say gay. It's not don't say gay. It's don't say transsexual to a four-year-old. That's what the bill is. Don't say transsexual to a four-year-old. Now, if you believe they should say transsexual to a four-year-old, you're a fucking idiot. Okay? But you can have that opinion. But that's the fact of the matter. So come out and say that. Don't say transsexual to a four-year-old is bad. I disagree with that. We We should talk about being transsexual and are you happy with your sex at five years old and six years old. Go ahead and say that. Trust me, it's going to be the minority opinion around the country, babe. It might not be the minority opinion in Berkeley. It may not be the minority opinion in, uh, in up the Upper West Side. It may not be the minority opinion in Boys Town. But it will be the minority opinion around the world and around this country. So they don't want to talk about that. They want to say, don't say gay, as though Ron DeSantis and the Florida legislature, these horrible Republicans, are saying, don't say gay. Children should not, kids in school should not say gay. It's it's homophobia. Of course, it's nothing, it's not even close to that. It's simply saying we shouldn't be teaching these things to five and six-year-olds. The fact that we have to even come up with a bill is ridiculous, but we do. Because the school boards will put this in the curriculum. They will put this in the curriculum to your kindergartner, your second grader. This is not stuff that a six or seven year old should have to be concerned with. And you know what? If the parents of those kids want to talk about that stuff, they have the right to do that. Once again, this is the same thing with masks. It's the same. There's a connection, folks. It's not a hard connection to make. The big government types want the parents out of the equation. They want to mask your kids. The parents have no say. They want to teach your five-year-olds about sex reassignment. The parents have nothing to say about it. That's the problem. That's why Democrats are going to be destroyed in November. 
That's why Democrats are going to be annihilated in November. Because parents around the country are tired of it. Parents in Berkeley might not be tired of it. Parents on the Upper West Side or in Boys Town may not be tired of it, although I'm guessing a lot of them are. We saw a lot of parents in normally blue areas in Virginia quite tired of it. Same thing with New Jersey. But around this country, the majority of parents are tired of this. They're tired of being bullied by big government, of being told what their kids must learn, what their kids must wear, what their kids must do by big government. They want the choice. And just like with mass in Florida, the parents will have the choice to teach their kids about sex reassignment at six years old if they wish to talk about it in the household, at the dinner table. I'm sure most parents won't because most parents aren't total fucking lunatics. But the ones who are fucking lunatics, hey, they probably shouldn't have had kids in the first place. So, just like masks, the parents have the choice. Parents can make their kids wear masks to school if they wish. Parents can teach their six-year-olds about sex reassignment if they wish. But the schools shouldn't be doing it to them. They shouldn't be forcing mass. They shouldn't be forcing discussion of sex reassignment on kindergartners and pre-K. Come on, it's common sense, people. It's common sense. And Ron DeSantis, as usual, is standing up. Not backing down, talking straight talk, honesty. You know, someone wrote today that Ron DeSantis is everything the GOP said about Trump. But Trump never really was. And without the abrasiveness that Trump has. Meaning he's the real deal. He's the real deal. He's the true, strong, uh, I'd say conservative, but I guess he is. I guess he'd consider himself conservative. I, think it's just, I just think he's like sane and normal and reasonable. Reasonable. But we can't have that in the world anymore. Not with the left. No, no, no. And Disney? How full of shit is Disney? Now, supposedly standing up and getting behind this don't say gay bullshit. Let's talk to Disney. Let's talk about how racist and sexist and homophobic Disney has been through their history. How they've edited gay content. Okay? Now, all of a sudden, they're standing up for gays. Give me a fucking break, baby. Give me a break. Don't say gay is fake. It's as fake as masks save lives. It's as fake as masks are safe and effective. It's as fake as vaccines are safe and effective. It's fake news, baby. It's sloganeering. Talking about fake news. This is my fake phony fraud Friday. I should should have that. I love that. I love that. Fake phony fraud Friday. And I'll keep my hero that I worked for for five years in Radio Bob Grant alive even more. And, uh, and make people even Google Bob more. Uh, if you're on the left, don't Google. Don't Google Bob Grant, please don't. But if you're like a, a normal person or a conservative, you should. A lot of people who listen to this show are actually fairly young. I have a, a good demographic. I think I've looked and it's more like, it's like, it's like 30 to like 55. 30 to 55. So actually, it, it skews young. You know, I'm surprised how many people in my demographic hadn't heard of Jerry Sandusky, which John Ziegler and I talked about. Uh, on the show yesterday, but it's kind of a young demo, so you should you should Google Bob Grant. I worked for Bob for I've mentioned this before uh, for five years at, at WABC Radio, and uh, he would 
call people he didn't like and people who were scummies, uh, scumbags, fake phonies, and frauds. I should have a fake phony and fraud Friday. This is what this is. How about fake phony fraud Jen Psaki? Now, I think Jen Psaki's horrible at what she does. Some people think she's actually good. Even people on the right think this, seem to think she's good. Maybe because she, like, she's young and she's not like old and demented like Biden. So it, she comes across as you know, so much more uh, clear than he does. But I think she's a really bad liar. I know that job is a lie job. Look, Lawrence O'Donnell, who's a tried and true Democrat, had said that whole thing. When, when Trump stopped doing those, when the, when the Trump White House stopped, stopped doing those, he said it's no big deal. He said it's totally a, an hour of lies anyway. He said you never get a straight answer. It's all spin, no matter if it's a Democrat or Republican. And he's right. But she's particularly bad at lying. You can see it in her face, in her voice. I mean, it's so obvious that she's a terrible liar. So Peter Ducey, I keep on getting them mixed up. Steve is the father. Peter's the son, right? Peter Ducey said to her, and this is what I want to talk about for the last five minutes before I get into my Friday film review. Um, they're blaming now. They have the nerve. This administration has the absolute gall to blame the rising gas prices on Putin, even though the invasion started 14 days ago and, the, <laughs> and these gases, the gas price has been rising for 14 months. I mean, they're shameless, but this is how stupid Democrats are. They, this is how stupid they know their followers are, their believers are. If their believers weren't so stupid, they couldn't push such a crazy lie. But he says to her, okay, so you're blaming this on Putin, right? Yes. Uh, why are you just doing it now? Why, why didn't you blame it on him five months ago? If it's Putin's fault, why wasn't it Putin's fault five months ago? Why all of a sudden now is he part of the narrative where five months ago – when gas prices were in the middle of going up, did you not start blaming Putin back then? Of course she has no good answer. It's a lying answer. Well, he's been planning this invasion for months and months, and people have been worried. Uh, come on, it's garbage. It's inflation. It's the fact that he won't use natural gas. He won't, he won't pump gas here. He won't allow them to make gas here in this country, in places like Texas where we have oil up the ass. He won't let them do it. He won't give them permits. Yet he'll take gas from Saudi Arabia, being beholden to Saudi Arabia and Venezuela, the guy's an idiot. This is why gas prices have gone up and inflation. Nothing to do with Putin. Nothing to do with the last two weeks. How stupid does he think people are to believe this crap? <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing. But you know what? They learned from COVID. See, this is once every, everything is going to come back to COVID. Everything does come back to COVID. Look, I, I don't want to keep COVID going forever. It's not like I'm obsessed like some people. It's like I'm obsessed like Eric Fingle Dingle, whatever the hell his name is on Twitter, Eric Fine Dingle. I call him Dingling. Uh, people like him, quote unquote doctors like him, did they exist before COVID? Did they, were they alive before COVID? Were they actually among the living before COVID? Because you'd never think they were. You would think they just sprouted up two years ago. And without COVID, they wilt and die. But people who peddle lies, and they've peddled lies, this White House. The Democrats have just peddled lies for two years, and it's worked on so many people. At varying points through this two years, it's worked on the majority of people. So they see that. So they're like, oh, they believe masks. <laughs> they la- and believe me, they sit around the table and they laugh because they only wear masks in front of the camera. We've seen that. We've seen Biden in front of the camera put that stupid big mask on that covers his whole dumb face. Yet we see him when he's not, when the camera's not on, when he doesn't know the camera's on, there's no mask. And we've seen this over and over again with Democrats. And so... They must sit around the table and laugh and say, look, they bought masks. They bought vaccines. Look how many people believed in vaccines. They bought 
lockdowns, they bought vaccine passports. They'll buy the fact that, yeah, food, yeah, it's Putin. Yeah, Putin, he's responsible for the high gas prices. Not Joe Biden, not the Democrats, Vladimir Putin. Russia, Russia, Russia. Let's blame everything on Russia, Russia, Russia. That's it. Everything. They're doing it again. They did it for four years during Trump. There's been about a two-year gap for COVID. Now they got it going again. Believe me, they love this. They can blame Russia for everything again. All over again, baby. Deja vu all over again. Speaking of, of, of we're going to go into a movie review in a minute. Baseball's back. I have to get that in. A lot's happening today. Holy crap. A lot's happening. Baseball's back. I'm very happy about that. I'll talk more about baseball next week. I do want to talk about it. You would never know I'm a big sports fan, would you? You know about movies and politics, but you don't know I'm a huge baseball and hockey fan. Hockey's my winter sport. Baseball's my summer sport. I thought I wouldn't have a sport again this summer after not basically not having real baseball for three years now. But baseball's back. They finally, the billionaires and the millionaires finally came to it. Whose side are you on? The billionaires and I guess we have to be on the side of the millionaires, right? Uh, came to an agreement and there'll be baseball. So I'm very happy about that. And I believe camps open Sunday and hopefully the first or second week of April, the regular season, should start. Okay. All right. We're going to stop talking about politics now. We've got five minutes left. I can't go an hour like I did with John Ziegler. But uh, let's see. Okay. First of all, I'm going to talk about two movies. One that's about three years old from 2017 and one that's just been released recently, five years old, three years old. It, three is before COVID. This is what I want. It's called... It's called It Comes at Night. It Comes at Night. And I just stumbled upon it. I have that YouTube television where you can DVR everything for nine months. I think it's a great deal. And so I'm just, I have like 700 movies DVR'd because you can just unlimited DVR. So it's called It Comes at Night and it's from 2017. And it, it, it's amazing this film was made three years before COVID. Because what it's about in general, I'm just going to be very, I'm not going to give away some of the details because you need to learn that yourself as you watch the film. But once again, it's about basically a, a, a world where there's some kind of a disease and it seems to be spread like respiratory um, and uh, people wear gas masks, real gas masks, because this is like a real plague. This is like you get it, you can't avoid it, whether you're 20 or 80, you get it, you die within a day. So it's a, it's a real plague and they wear gas masks and it's about a family that lives like in the woods, three people. And there's an intruder at some point, and that, that plays into the, the whole show, the whole film, which is basically about fear, hysteria, overreaction, and doing whatever you can to survive, even if it means losing your humanity. And what does that really mean? I can't believe this was made just three years before COVID. The, the, the striking connections it has to COVID and the way COVID was handled is, is, is amazing. And it's also incredibly directed, incredibly suspenseful, really well-made film. Frightening. And really even more frightening after two years of COVID. I mean, this, this was frightening in 2017, I'm sure. But after COVID, you, you guys are not going to uh, believe, not going to believe that COVID was, was three years away when this thing was made. So it's called uh, It Comes at Night. I highly recommend it. And that's on, uh, I forgot where I got it, but it's on streaming. You can stream it. Okay, and the, the new film is called The Worst Person in the World. And The Worst Person in the World is a film from Norway, uh, uh, shot in Oslo, Norway, Norwegian film. And it's about a it's, – it's it has – as I'm watching it, I'm thinking the director must be a big fan of Woody Allen. And then after the film, I read that not only is he a fan of Woody Allen, but he said Andy, film Andy Hall uh, really uh, 
uh, was an influence on his filmmaking, so I guess I had that right. But just, it's pretty obvious uh, if you're a Woody Allen fan of this director, has a big uh, uh, is a big fan of Woody Allen. So it's very Woody Allen like, especially Woody Allen's more serious films. The film has some funny humorous moments to it, but it's in the more serious realm. It's not a romantic comedy. It's more of a romantic drama combined with coming of age. Two, two subject matters that are very hard to blend. And the film does it incredibly well. And it's about a woman who's basically finding her way of life. The film's made in 12 chapters, like a novel, with a prologue and an epilogue. And it's basically about a woman who, who goes through various relationships, um, not much of a career, and is really just basically a person trying to find way in life, what she wants to do, who she wants to be. Um, it sounds pretentious, but it's really not pretentious at all. The performances are, are, are outstanding. The direction is impeccable. It, the director focuses on her without any kind of judgment. There's no judgment from the director, and that's very tough. Most directors do impose some kind of judgment. Writers impose judgment on their characters. And this screenplay, which is incredibly well written and nominated, I believe it's not for best screenplay and also best, they used to call it foreign film. We can't do that anymore. The woke culture says international feature, whatever. But uh, uh, no judgment. We might judge the characters. And that's something the audience often do, right? We judge them all the time. Why are they with that person? You know, it's, it's, it's a thing we do. Um, I think it comes from watching soap operas, right? I remember my grandmother always judging the characters. I can't believe they did that. I can't. Anyway, but the director does not judge his characters at all. So it's a non-judgmental eye. And I think that's part of what makes the film so stunningly good. Um, You know, uh, there are parts of it that are real tearjerker, but not in a maudlin, pulling on heartstrings kind of way. Just really intelligently written, really well directed, great performances, and, uh, you know, I know some people don't like watching foreign films and subtitles and all that baloney, but I really recommend going to see this. And it's one of those films that will probably be on streaming if you can't make it to the theaters. It's called The Worst Person in the World. And if you watch the film, you will understand what the title means. Do we in life, in closing on this, do we in life do things as we find our way that hurt other people, as we find our own way in life? And is that something that's bad or is that something that's just part of life? And the film really examines that in a very smart way. I'm giving this an A. This is one of the best films of the year. The worst person in the world. Okay, that's a week of shows. It was a good week. Once again, thanks, John Ziegler, for coming on yesterday. Everyone have a great weekend. I'll speak to you on Monday. This is Micah Chopley, and you've been listening to And Let's Be Heard.